What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 7 of Left for Dread. I'm one of your hosts, Ry Marlowe. What's up, Dreadfuls? I'm your other host, Chris. And today, we're talking about dummies. And I don't mean stupid people. I mean ventriloquist dummies. And I am so excited. Uh, yeah, so we have, so we have two very good movies um two very like to discuss today yeah uh, we have movies. yeah very different i think they're well okay uh let it be known that there's one that i think that's a very very clear winner but i think they're both good in their own right but um we'll get to that but well we reviewed um magic uh the 1978 film starring sir sir anthony hopkins and then you have uh, Dead Silence from 2007 with um, our fan favorite director, James Wan. Um, and uh, written by Leigh Whannell, uh, the, so they're the, the, the Saw team. So, yeah. Uh, Ryan, uh, so I believe um, you saw Dead Silence uh, and Magic uh, multiple times. These are my first time seeing both films um so i'm coming to it as fresh uh, and i know you i think you mentioned before you didn't see magic for a very long time correct no this was actually my first time seeing magic oh okay i had never so seen... we can we can we can squee about it together I'm like it was yeah so yeah definitely i had never seen magic before but i have seen dead silence so many times i saw it when it came out in theaters and i ended up buying it on dvd i watch clips just for fun like i've seen this movie a lot <laughs> so you you know this film like the back of your hand yeah um, pretty much so, so you know you probably you, you 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 obviously know like all the easter eggs and nods um um which is uh, which I, I would really like to talk to you about because I know the Saw guys like to do Easter eggs in their films. So they do, they do. Although I'll be honest, I don't. As many times as I've seen it, and I know I'm decent at catching Easter eggs, I don't know if I've ever caught one in Dead Silence. Like I've caught the ones in Insidious, and I caught the one in Upgrade. Uh. Um, I guess for, well, spoiler alert, um, there's an there apparently spoiler was... alert on this yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, um, so apparently, uh, Billy the puppet from Saw makes a cameo. Um, no, I don't think he makes a cameo. It was... Does he? I mean, well, I, uh, this is, not, I, I didn't see this. This is according to Wikipedia, so this is with a giant grain of salt, but apparently, quote, the Billy Puppet from the Saw franchise makes a brief cameo. It can be seen sitting on the floor as Jamie starts to walk towards the clown doll. So I remember that scene, and th- that's... Oh, because I thought the egg for this movie was going to be the fact that Mary Shaw's puppet Billy is just named after, like, that's what the Saw doll's name is too. They have the same name. And I thought that that was it. Oh, hold on. I'm going yeah. about, I'm about to find I, this again. Oh, hold I on. watched Dead Silence, uh, I think, three days ago. Um, and 
if I remember that scene, that that scene is like completely shrouded in darkness because uh, you have the clown doll, and then you had uh, Mary Shaw uh, manipulating the clown doll behind it, so it was supposed to be like a spoopy uh, reveal at the uh, after that sequence. So I I yeah, so I'm kind of bad at like picking out Easter eggs at times. So I I totally missed that and I didn't have a chance to go back and and watch it, but apparently that's a thing. Oh, I found it. I got it. Now that you're looking for Oh, it. it's yes, it's confirmed. It's there. He's so basically it's towards the end of the movie when Jamie and Donnie Wahlberg, who plays the rudest cop I've ever seen in my life, and I loved every second of it. Um, when they see the clown doll rocking back and forth before Mary Shaw grabs the doll, and you see Jamie walking closer, the camera pans, and you see all the clutter this way, the doll's in the background up against the wall and there is a pillar and if you if you're watching that foreground the jigsaw billy puppet is sitting propped up against the pillar so he's there how visible i mean it's, it's i i get is this something you have to really i guess that's the, that's the point of an easter egg yeah i saw it because i was looking for it oh okay you see I, him yes Okay. I can't believe I missed that how many, however many times. Because I remember when I saw Insidious, I was like, there was a, a saw Easter egg in there. And they were like, no, there wasn't. A bunch of my friends were like, no, there wasn't. How do you know that? And I was like, when he's in the classroom grading his papers, there's a Billy head and it says eight underneath it, which to me was like, they're going to make eight saw movies. Yeah, I found it, like, I found it interesting. Yeah, because you, you expect easter eggs from these uh for this creative team so one you have like what like the one of the main puppets is billy so i was like oh yeah so that's the reference uh another that's reference exactly what i thought the reference was yeah um another reference you could throw it out to is uh donnie Wahlberg, who plays um a, a key character in multiple saw films so i was like oh yeah so um they so I and he plays he very much plays a similar role as like a like an asshole cop kind of uh, character. Um, yeah, wasn't was he the dad in Saw Two? Yeah, he was the dad. He's like the asshole cop dad. Yeah, and who who that's ends what I up thought. Okay, yeah, getting his leg smashed, or no, he cuts off his own leg. I think. Uh, no, wait. No, no, no. Well, that was Carrie Ewell. Yeah, well, but it it was. Well, how the fuck do you say his last name? Yeah, like well, basically he survives Saw Two, and then Amanda, what's her name, tries to kill him, and then Tobin Bell's like, "No, you're bad," and he saves him. So yeah, I thought that was the third one. Um, I think that was a, maybe it was the fourth. I don't remember. There's there's like eight or nine Saw films. There's a lot. <laughs> um, I know, and I still haven't seen Jigsaw. I feel terrible. Well, one of these days, we'll we'll do a Saul extravaganza episode, and we'll watch, we'll binge, we'll marathon through all of it. I'm so down. Let's do it. Um. Okay, pulling all the way back. 
because we just went on a solid tangent because thank you Lee Winnell and James Wan for giving us the gift of Saw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Billy. Billy, the true Billy, not this imposter Billy. Um, so I guess while, while we're at it, we should talk about Dead Silence. Yes. Let's, let's talk about the movie we watched. So Dead Silence was made in 2007. And I remember seeing it in theaters with a friend of mine and i think for me a thing that i'm slowly starting to understand about certain horror movies that i used to watch when i was a kid is the movies themselves never really scared me it was always the sound it was always the audio cues that you get from horror movies because a lot of that stuff especially in james wan movies he uses the soundtrack and music as a design to create tension so for example in insidious the grandfather clock is what cues everything that's in time to all of that so they are very like audio based in those movies and i think that that is what contributed to a lot of the things that i found scary in in horror movies whether it was the exorcist it was that spider call that thump 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 that terrified the shit out of me i could watch it on mute and be fine uh the grudge that noise she makes while she's doing anything again i could watch it on mute and be totally fine it's that noise but with dead silence it's the absence of sound that is equally as tension building and terrifying in this movie, which is what makes it so different and good. Yeah, it messes with you with your senses. Like, like at once, like a one second, everything's fine, and then it starts to. It's like it starts to like slow down and warp, and then and then you're in like a vacuum, and then you can only hear certain sounds, like the sounds of your own footsteps and. Uh, it, it created like a really jarring, unsettling kind of feeling. And I totally get that. Um, so yeah, the other design of this movie was, was quite excellent. It was, it was really spot on. When you watch horror movies, a lot of the things you can look for, like when you know a jump scare is coming, is the audio cues. What Dead Silence does is they remove that. So that's how you know something's coming is when everything starts to get really quiet. And I think that that on top of the fact that you're using a ventriloquist dummy as your vehicle for terror create it just like adds to this super un, like this super product of un, like being unsettled. Uh, and I think that that was a true success of this movie. Now, do I think that the writing was the best thing I ever heard? No, but you don't watch that movie for its writing. Like, sorry, you you don't. I mean, I think going into it, you know, knowing it's the creators of Saw, you know it's going to be B-rated. You know it's going to be a genre film. You know it's going to be pulpy. Um, You know, having that grindhouse feel. Um, For me, like, I, I agree with you. I didn't think... Well, I mean, this is my first time seeing it, so I didn't think it was that scary. Actually, admittedly, like some of the parts where I I got like kind of bored because I feel like there was, some of the pacing was a little bit weird. But um, in general, I, I I more than anything, I was just really amused. Um, especially, especially well for me, like one of the biggest surprises that I wasn't expecting was there was body horror in this movie. 
um, especially when it comes to Mary Shaw, the main antagonist. And I was like, I, I was like, I was like, that really, that really perked me up. I was like, what? I was not expecting it. And like, I, I feel, I mean, yeah, the, the Saw team is always known for like body horror. That's literally all what Saw is. But, um, I felt like this was more Cronenberg, John Carpenter thing kind of body horror, which is definitely my jam. That's like, because like, everyone knows, well, if, 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 for those who don't know, like on the record, John Carpenter's The Thing is my favorite all-time uh, horror movie. Um, and you got a little bit of that uh, like near the second or third act. So that was a big surprise for me. Uh, that's That was one of the biggest takeaways that I really enjoyed uh, about the film. I think another important thing to note about this that I also find really interesting is that there are no survivors of any of the main characters. Like, all of the main characters that you are introduced to, they all die. The only person that survives is the caretaker's wife. And we're not entirely sure why, and she was just very minor. She was sort of there as like a plot device to just sort of push things forward. Um, she's she's the only survivor. I, I, think she, I think she... Yeah, I think... I mean, she's the only survivor, and I think... You know, for she definitely was a plot device. She was someone who was on the outside, um, whether like physically, emotionally, mentally, uh, psychic, psychically. Uh, but because of her outsider status as someone who was suffering from like senility or maybe dementia, but uh, that gave her some sort of like sixth sense to actually know more about what's really going on than all of our standard fair characters who are like you know really naive or just making all the wrong decisions uh but yeah she she was the only one who survived oh wait no her and her crow survived so there's two survivors at the end that crow was taxidermy oh it was oh never mind i stand corrected (laughs) i i don't know see for me i Dead Silence held up for me watching it now and watching it over the course of all these years. And I mean held up in the sense that it still did what it was supposed to do in terms of the like reverse audio cues. Um, There were still parts of it that were still funny, uh, however intentional as it might have been. But it still held up for me. I'm still thoroughly entertained by it. I'm still completely blown away, even though I know it's not real. By And I know we're jumping around a lot. We'll rewind in a second, start from the get-go. But I still think one of the things that sort of blows me away, and I think this has to do with why I'm so mesmerized by ventriloquism as an art form, is the scene where Mary Shaw and Billy the Puppet are arguing with each other on stage in front of people. Uh... People who can throw their voices like that, I I just think that I just think that it's an incredible talent, and you must have to work so friggin' hard. That being said, ventriloquist dummies are fucking creepy, and I understand why people develop this phobia of them. And I, it's how inhumanly human they look. I think. Well, you know, we we have. We have a perfect term for that. It's called the uncanny valley, um, and th- and this is why, 
this is why, um, you know, with AI and robots and like transhumanism, and even even um, CGI in films, where uh, you have you have uh, depictions or simulacrums or simulations of human-like or anthropomorphic uh, things. So you could you could have like in Japan, they they are building um, ro- robots and and dolls uh, that look really real, but something about them is off. Like if you like. For maybe it's maybe it's the fact that like, they look too too good to be real, or maybe uh, it's a robot that has like pretty lifelike movements. But you can, if you look super closely, the the movements are still kind of jilted and still stiff in certain ways. Um, for movies, you have you know in the last couple of years, uh, you have. Uh, what's it called? Um, Rogue One at the end, where uh, you had, you where you had you had Princess Leia. The you had. I mean, uh, they basically like pasted Carrie Fisher's face onto uh, a younger actress, and yes, it looked a lot like her. But at the same time, it's like oh, you it you could you could definitely tell something's off, and that's what the whole Uncanny Valley. Uh, phenomena is about and um, when I was thinking about I was I mean that was the I was thinking about why I was so unsettled not maybe not necessarily dead silence but this is definitely the case uh, with magic like why why I was so unsettled and um, and why there's like this collective unconsciousness sort of animosity or, or or fear about ventriloquism and i think you can just sum it up to the phenomenon of the uncanny valley and just like it's it's human-like but it's two or three degrees away from it um so it's a combination of it being familiar and yet distant and that 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 pull the tension between those two poles or two points it's like that's what creates like the fear and the unsettling settling nature and, and, and of course, you know, then you have dummies trying to kill you, which which makes things fun. Yes. Although this movie did just make me want to dress up as a ventriloquist dummy for Halloween. You should. You should. I have time. Mm-hmm. I keep going back and forth between being someone from The Purge and a ventriloquist dummy. Well, I should do both. Just have, <laughs> just have like one of those on stage, like two second costume change moments and then and people are like whoa be awesome <laughs> um so um, i think we should uh, rewind a little bit and give yeah. some clarity or got some context so um the main character is jamie ashen um uh, and his wife lisa and uh all of a sudden a mysterious package arrives at their door uh and inside is a ventriloquist doll named billy um, so while Jamie is out, uh, the doll comes to life, um, and Lisa is killed, and her face is ripped open, and her tongue is ripped out. Um, and this sets off, uh, this investigation, both on the behalf of police and on the behalf of Jamie, um, and he rips open the box, 
uh, like underneath the red velvet cushioning, and he sees a advertisement, like an old school advertisement for a carnival, um, displaying uh, the act of Mary Shaw and her dummy um, Billy uh, at the Ravens Fair carnival or circus. And Ravens Fair is where he's where he's from. So Jamie visits his childhood home where urban legends exist about Mary Shaw, who was his ghost. And if you have a bad dream, uh, uh, Mary Shaw will appear. And if you scream, she'll, you know, take you away. She'll kill you. Um, that That's like the super paraphrased, butchered version of the urban legend. Um, and then Jamie goes around trying to investigate... Um, the mystery of Raven's Fair and the doll and Mary Shaw and how it all connects to his wife's murder. Um, and then we, we, then we get to a backstory where Mary Shaw is, her ghost is, um, carrying out this curse upon all members of the Jamie Ash or all members of the Ashen family uh, back in the it's day. Not, it's not just the Ashen. Oh family. yeah. I mean the Ashes were a main player, but uh, basically Mary Shaw was doing a show with Billy. Oh, it's so yeah, this whole scene yeah. is just so good. Yeah. 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 And um, like she was very, she's obviously very talented and she was uh, working this working the crowd, chewing the scenery and I found that one of the biggest morals of this story is, if you're at a if you're at a show, if you're at a comedy club, don't be a heckler. Don't <laughs> just don't be a heckler, and everything everything will be fine. Um, so yeah, this little this little kid uh, who calls her out in the middle of the show, saying, uh, "I can see your lips moving," and then this sets Mary Shaw off, and uh, she basically taunts him on stage, and then. The next in the next couple of days, the boy mysteriously disappears. So everyone starts blaming Mary Shaw, uh, and they form a mob and rip out her tongue and kill her. Um, but her ghost lived on. Uh, Jamie Ashen's uh, grandfather, grandfather, one of his no, it was the uh, it was the funeral. Yeah, it was the funeral guy, the funeral, the owner of the. No, okay, so here's, so, a couple of things. One, Jamie and his wife Lisa both grew up in Raven's Fair. Because when they get the dummy, he says, what was that rhyme from when we were kids? Now, according to IMDb, and they're actually right because I found myself reciting it wrong during the movie and now I know why. There's two different versions of the rhyme of Mary Shaw. There's the one they use for the trailer and the one that they use in the movie. So the one that they use in the movie is beware the stare of Mary Shaw. She had no children, only dolls. And if you see her in your dreams, be sure you never ever scream. In the trailer, it says beware the stare of Mary Shaw. She had no children, only dolls. And if you see her, do not scream. She'll rip your tongue out at the seam. Oh, that makes more sense. They should have gone with that one. Yes. In the movie, I completely agree. They absolutely should have, because it was very effective during the trailer. And plus, that's how everyone dies. They're always missing a tongue. Um, Which sort of plays into 
Jamie's motivation for then going back to Raven's Fair, apart from the fact that he pulls open everything in that box, he hears Lisa's voice before he finds her dead, which he makes the mistake of telling the cops. Why this is so effective is because we're dealing with a very, very skilled ventriloquist who can throw her voice. So I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, the boy, Michael Ashen, was named Michael Ashen. He went missing. He is, Jamie Ashen is a descendant of his family. So he said, what does that have to do with, I think it was his uncle or something like that. It was like their other related family or something. I think it was. The entire town took their vengeance on Mary Shaw and cut out her tongue. She wanted to be buried with all of her dolls. Or as she liked to say, her children. Okay, so so uh, I forgot I forgot that uh, uh, Lisa... they uh, Well, Jamie heard Lisa's voice in the beginning, even though um, she was already dead. So what Mary Shaw does is like as as venge as the ultimate revenge for people silencing her, she silences other people and steals their voice. And how she do that? She not only rips out her tongue, she steals the tongue, and it, you have this amazing, super long, like venom length, like venom from Spider Man. It's like this three foot long, four foot long tongues made of other tongues. Yeah. And it's so good, and it's like, oh, it's so cool. And the and like, I just I started laughing so hard uh, during the clown scene where the tongue comes out and she licks Jamie's cheek, and it's like, uh, <laughs> I I love that. That was really it was so it was very campy, very Cronenberg, and I loved it. So that was my favorite part. So basically, Mary, after Mary Shaw gets killed, it was stated in her will that she not only wanted to be buried with her children. But she wanted to become a doll. And you see, like, knives and surgical wax and all of this stuff. And you're like, what the hell is happening? Henry, who's the caretaker who's telling this story, who's a mortician, I should say, uh, is telling this story. He was a little boy when all of this happened. And he went down into the basement to go take a look at her and ended up knocking her over. And there's a great flash of lightning because there's a storm going on where you can see her in her black dress laid out on the floor with her mouth gaping open, which is a continuous trope throughout the movie, which is, again, why I understand why people are afraid of these dummies because they are really unnerving. Billy does it when he's at Jamie and Lisa's house. He just sits there and his jaw just drops open. It is truly the most creepy and like unnerving thing. And and also Mary Shaw's, or I don't know how to explain it, but like you know how how, how a dummy's mouth looks. It has like lines from his. Yeah, that's what the cutting in the surgical wax was for. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so the magician did that to her, and I'm thinking. I, I I don't I know it was in her last will and testament, but if I was that doctor, I'm like, eh, eh, I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, the money's good. Well, put it this way, I I I think there's a there's a muscle here in your jaw that is sort of like a rubber band. There's a I'm assuming there's a way to fix all of that so it just does it a little bit more. I don't know. 
I just but... wanna I just wanna do it. It's like, uh this is weird. I'm just I mean, she's dead. I mean, I don't know if she's gonna haunt me. I mean, I mean maybe maybe she'll haunt me for not doing her last full and testament request, but as a mortician, I'll be like, I wouldn't do that. That's just Well, yeah. don't forget, <laughs> Henry knocks her over baby Henry knocks her over and she comes after him. But he sits there and covers his mouth so that he won't scream and then she goes away. I just think that there were a lot of great, like, little things in this movie. I think, I think one of the things that I, that I, I appreciated, but I wish they would, I guess, maybe do a little bit more elaboration, because they kind of just threw it out there, and you had to kind of take it or leave it, is uh, how uh, apparently Mary Shaw has the ability to hop in and out, or like, quote, teleport and possess her children or her dolls like um you saw how in the climax like like you could see like the faces of her of her children her dolls start to like warp as uh she was trying to possess them and i mean she's a ghost i mean so that's you could just write off his ghost powers but i really i wish they would like they could have fleshed that out more because i thought it was pretty cool well there i i feel like you could debate that a little so, the beginning of this movie, like the very opening credits, is this entire sequence of Mary Shaw making a ventriloquist dummy. That's Billy. But you see flashes of the perfect design, how to make the perfect doll. Yeah, it's like a very uh, g- grimy uh flash of shots to like notebooks and notes and anatomy charts and stuff like that it was like it's kind of it's it's actually really fascinating and cool when jamie comes home he has had some issues with his father and he meets his stepmother and she's insisting like he's not the same person he used to be like just give him a chance yada 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 very tumultuous relationship I think a twist that I didn't see coming was the stepmother. I also wish they would fleshed out the stepmom because I felt like even though she was very, very integral to the twist ending. Well, she was possessed by Mary Shaw. Yeah, but I... You didn't buy it. I guess I was caught off guard. Not Well, yes, I was surprised, but I was like, oh, I thought I didn't... I didn't think she would play that big of a role. Uh, I thought she was just, you know, a just a, a like like you said before. I thought she was also a plot device, uh, you know, for the husband, which is problematic. But well, I mean that's another issue. But I loved I loved the twist they did with her. You find out that his father's been dead this whole time, and he's actually a living ventriloquist dummy. Yeah, like the entire his his entire back is like ripped open, and then there's a wooden pole rammed up uh, into his head, and she could use it to like move his mouth, which I really enjoyed. I really love that that those practical effects. And um, after seeing that twist, you you got the clue. Oh, no wonder! Like he he looked so pale at the beginning of the movie because he had no blood and he was dead the entire time. Um, but I. I just thought, I just thought, like, I, I, I mean, I thought, I, I enjoyed the twist. I just wished they, I don't know, they gave her a bigger role. I don't know, but maybe that would have 
reduce the impact of the twist. But I don't know. That maybe 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 I maybe maybe I'm not seeing something because this is my first time seeing the movie. So I, you saw this many times. What were your thoughts? Well, I know that when Jamie is looking through everything and he finds the notebook that we watch at the opening credits, that it's Ella's face that's behind the piece of paper that says to make the perfect doll. And her face morphs into Mary Shaw's because I'm assuming Mary needed like a working body to do all of this. Mary Shaw's whole motivation for going after this whole, for the majority of this town was everyone who was involved in killing her. She wanted to wipe out the entire generations of those families. So she said, I wanted to silence those who silenced me. And Jamie says, well, why kill my wife? What did she do to you? And she said, it wasn't her the last ashen was inside of her. So we kind of got a hint that Lisa was either thinking about being pregnant or actually being pregnant at the very beginning of the movie. And then Mary Shaw confirms it. The ashen bloodline is now dead with at Lisa's what with Lisa, which means Jamie's next. Um, and it wasn't until the Ella reveal that Jamie actually screams. And that's when we lose him too. But if you look carefully and I think there was supposed to be a sequel, but something happened with the studio and Lee Winnell disagreed. And apparently Lee Winnell wanted to go one way with the movie and the studio was like, no, you have to do it this way. And therefore it did poorly, no sequels. Um, if you look carefully at the end of the movie, there are six dummies that are the done by the perfect doll design. There's Ella, his mom, Jamie, Lisa, the cop, Henry, can I do math? Is that right? Ella, Lisa, Mr. Ashen, Jamie, Donnie, who did I, and Henry. Yep, six dolls. That's it. Those are your six victims for the movie. Everybody dies. Everyone dies. And um, I thought that that was really incredible, but then when the book shuts, you see like a crusty old lady hand, and you were supposed to be like, oh, a sequel. It didn't happen, but whatever. Uh, I'm not sure, well, I'm not sure if you knew about this, but, uh, also, I also learned about this at, on Wikipedia, but, uh, there was an alternate ending, and, uh, I'll read it what, I'll read what happened, so, quote, in the alternate ending, Ella simply knocks Jamie out after he discovers his father was a puppet all along. Then she explains that the original Ella was a human being with Edward as an abusive husband. Edward knocked her down the stairs and killed their unborn child. Ella dug up the grave where the puppet Billy was buried and became possessed by Mary Shaw. Afterwards, Ella makes a family photograph and then, dressed as Mary Shaw, tells a bedtime story to a child by candlelight, later revealed to be Jamie with his tongue ripped out, or would have been had they added the visual effect planned. The story is the poem. Ella also reveals that only silence can save him from Mary Shaw. Then she blows out the candle and in the movie. So... Um, I don't, I mean, they, I don't necessarily, I mean, whether or not, I mean, well, bleh. um, I'm not sure how I feel about the alternate ending, but I do like the fact that they set up plot points to give Ella more of a backstory. So I, I do like the fact that, 
um, you know, Ella, Ella, like we actually know the reason why Ella was possessed by Mary Shaw or the, or the reason why Ella became a vessel for Mary Shaw. Maybe, maybe Mary Shaw was acting through Ella. It's like, oh, she wants revenge too. I want revenge. This is a perfect setup, perfect arrangement. Let's do that. Um, and like that, you know, just setting up like that kind of flashback. Like I then I, that then things would click for me. So I I, I kind of wish they maybe not, maybe at least incorporate some elements uh, from that alternate ending as backstory for Ella. I mean, this movie's relatively short. I think it's like ninety minutes long. But I mean, um, I'm not sure. I, I I'm not. I don't make movies. So I don't know what goes into justifying what a theatrical cut should be or how long it should be or what are those parameters but um but yeah there's an alternate ending out there and i really enjoyed the fact that ella gives is given more of a backstory there well i think the other i think the thing with the alternate ending is the way and a way to look at that is when you see mary shaw she's supposed to be coming at you to come kill you and i think if you scream and I think part of the reason why you wouldn't scream after an ordeal like that is because you've literally been and through and seen all the horror I think you can at that point. So somebody like Mary Shaw just doesn't scare you. In fact, you would probably welcome something like that. So I think that that also has something to do with it. Hold on, guys. Well, let's watch the clip and give our reaction. Oh. Now it's new. Jamie just got knocked the fuck out in the back of the head. Oh, I like the voices. I I want this alternate ending. This is so good. Well, I think it's I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. It goes with the original idea that the movie was going to be called Shh or Mary Shaw or Silence was one of the three working titles before they landed on Dead Silence. I like, I think it's a good touch to have Ella look a lot like Mary Shaw. And I loved how she was, Ella was cycling through, well, Ella slash Mary was like cycling through multiple voices, like from her dad. That was a beautiful touch. Yeah, I was like, that should have, I, that would have been so awesome. I wish that there had been a way to incorporate both endings because I think that there could have been something there to make the ending of this a little bit stronger. Um, but it is also a really nice touch uh, to instead of seeing Jamie in a bed like as like the perfect little boy, there was something really creepy about seeing each one of the six victims as those creepy rosy-cheeked ventriloquist dolls. I think that there could have been a way to to do all of that together. Maybe like she'll, she takes the picture and then it ends with all six of them, like as the dolls, because Jamie screams cause he's sitting next to his dead wife and his dead dad or something like that. I think that there was a good way to do both. I felt, I felt like it, it, it fit the strange comedic slash horrific tone of Saw films in general to have the alternate ending where Ella just sadistically sits J uh, Jamie down next to Lisa, and her mouth is held open by by with like a like what look, I think it's like a cucumber or something, and 
No, she probably has like a sock over her tongue so that they could, because it's green, so that they could digitally remove it. Oh, you know, oh, you know what? You're right. Yeah. So they, maybe they, they they would green screen in like a wooden rod or something like that. Uh, just so. Well, they would have green screened out her tongue the way everybody else died, like Donnie Wahlberg. But yeah, I, I, I'm still saying that I still enjoy Dead Silence because to me, like I said, it still holds up. I, I enjoy it too. Uh, I, I, I just, in comparison to Magic, I really, really love Magic. I, I think I'm, I'm just gonna put it out there in Fun Street. I, I think Magic is one of my favorite one that we've reviewed for this episode. So maybe we should transition to Magic and discuss. Let's talk about Chris's new favorite movie. Yes. Oh my gosh. So, oh my, like, oh man, this, this movie just, it's full on Anthony Hopkins chewing the scenery. Um, and unless I'm mistaken, like, did Anthony Hopkins actually like perform all the, all the ventriloquism? Yeah, he did. Okay, I, I assumed it was because like if if it really if it if it was Anthony Hopkins doing ADR in post production, I would have been no. Sad. He actually learned how to do magic and ventriloquism for this movie. That's that is dope. That's another reason why Anthony Hopkins is amazing. Um, oof. this film, this film was so unsettling. Not because it was supernatural. Well, fats fats is a is is. His manifestation for his psychosis. Yeah, so it's this is a psychological thriller, and it's about a man just slow. D- yeah, named Corky and his dummy fats, and a man who's who is meant to look like Anthony Hopkins yes, on purpose. Yes, and they dre- and was also the inspiration for R.L. Stein's Slappy mm-hmm. the Dummy, which just makes Slappy inferior. Yeah. yeah. Because Fats is Fats creepy. is creepy. Fats, oh. You know what we should do? We should make the cover art special for this episode. Make it just Fats. Yes, eyes. just like the movie poster. Cause those are, it's so messed up. <laughs> oh, okay. So here's the thing. There is a very old mm. trailer for the movie Magic, and it's just mm. Fats. Mm. And V.O. He just sits there. And then all of a sudden he says, until you're dead at the end of the trailer. And it is probably mm. the creepiest uh, thing I think that, I've seen That in sounds a while. amazing. Um, I'm going to say, hold on. I'm but gonna... yeah, this movie, is a, it's a whole different type of scary. It's just a character study of Anthony Hopkins uh, playing a character who's very timid and insecure and um has some really deep seated issues relating to um like expectations and failure and and uh and then like this having this un this this unstoppable id that just manifests through the puppet uh and it literally he literally he literally loses control to his id uh, here and, and therefore, he loses his will to, to fats, and it's just, oh, it's so, like, 
it, a lot of the film is just Anthony Hopkins by himself with his puppet, and it just shows how skilled he is. It's oh my gosh. I also lied. The trailer isn't a VO until the end. It's fats the whole time, which oh is worse. great. <laughs> so go watch it now, and then we'll talk about it. It's only thirty seconds. What is <laughs> the the slow close up? <laughs> I I love how its its eye starts to roll back into its head, and then the, the the narrator's like, "Check out this terrifying love story." It's like this was not a love story. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, it isn't. It isn't. But I did not watch it because it's uh, a love. You story. watch it because Anthony Hopkins wants to stab people with 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 a dummy holding its knife. And it's awesome. I love it. Best kill scene of the movie. Yeah. Uh, I love how this movie... Like, I was legitimately, like, trying to scratch my head. Like, trying to figure out this movie a ton. Like, I wasn't sure if... Because I, I went to this movie completely blind. So I didn't know if it was Anthony Hopkins slowly going crazy. and Or if, out of the blue, he got all this success. Um... And it made him nuts. Oh well, I may I maybe I th I thought like I legitimately thought like how he got all this massive success using this new act with the Cartrix and uh, Fats. Like he made a Faustian deal with a ventriloquist dummy, and the dummy was actually alive, and it was actually Mistopheles. Or you know, especially with the the kill scene um, with uh, what's his name? Oh, his. His old flame's husband, like how it, how they shot it. I legitimately thought like Fats came alive and started killing him, and then we find out that Anthony Hopkins was was controlling Fats. But it's like for that one for that one minute, it's like oh my god, Fats is actually alive. This is awesome. Um, but I think that's just very good, very good cinematography, very good storytelling. Uh, either way, it's still very scary. I I enjoyed every minute of it. This. This dummy is also equally as creepy. Yeah. This... I just now just want a ventriloquist dummy. I don't have a place to put it, but I want one. Yes, you do. And I already have Chucky. Yeah, you need, you need, you need, you need, what you need? You need that theater underneath your house or, or apartment, like a dead silence, and have a glass case wall for 101 dollars yes nuts yes um, yes yeah you get you, you can have the chuckies and the the slappies and the fats and uh and and both billies <laughs> i i thought that this was it was really cool to watch anthony hopkins in a movie where he had no confidence because you're used to seeing him like when anthony hopkins like gets on stage in front of like in a movie, I'm I'm captivated. He has a commanding, yeah. He has lots of charisma. He has a commanding presence, and here, he's he plays the complete opposite, and he really sells it. it. Yeah, I was getting anxiety watching him. His face was sweating. The constant fear of failure. Uh, I I just thought I thought it was wonderfully well done. I think that, yeah. 
I think that Anthony Hop. I think this is just even more of a testament to Anthony Hopkins and his acting ability and his fucking talent. He learned how to be a ventriloquist for this movie. I would love to interview him and be like, by the way, can you still do it? <laughs> the beauty of the story, it's it's very simple. It's a very simplistic uh, story structure, but. Um, what makes it so cap? It's just it's just the performance. Like it just grab it just really really grabs you in, and because it really it really is a character study. Um, a lot like the movie is either, you know, dealing with, um, Anthony Hop. It's like it's a it's an introspective on Anthony Hopkins' mental state, and, or it's a state, or or it's it's a portrayal of how. He either masks this growing um, descent into madness and how people react to it. Well, I I took it as his his psychosis. It's his it's his. I don't want to say multiple personality, but it is another personality. You saw it when he was alone with Peg. He got really angry. And yelled at her. And I thought he was going to hit her or do something. And that side of him. Well, that's classic Freud. He's like, he's clearly repressed. He took that that psychotic side of him and gave it an outlet in Fats. Fats is a foul-mouthed psychotic dummy that is actually another personality of Corky. Corky is this subdued, shy little thing. And Fats is a smooth-talking, foul-mouthed psycho. Uh, which is another part of Corky, but it, it, he just gave it an outlet. And I think that uh, Fats is his manifestation of his fucking psychosis, and it was brilliant. That is a brilliant horror movie. Again, this movie, like, is, is so... It's it's oozing with Freudian psychology. Um, and, like, so, yeah, both Fats and Corky, they, they, they're all the same person, but, like... When you go back to Freudian psychology, you know you have you have your id, uh, which is your your baser instincts and desires, and and how uh, you have power powerful drives driven by sex and violence, uh, which we clearly see from from fats, and then you have um, then you have uh, Corky, uh, who based on his upbringing or based on just society he has he has a super ego he has he has he has a sets of values or sets of uh principles that you should follow by and then he's torn between the two and the these tensions between the id and the super ego uh can create guilt and shame which is another powerful motivating force within Freudian psychology uh and you know sometimes you know the the emotional and psychological strain is so intense, and when you're you got a situation where, you know, this guy, uh, Corky, his all of his impulses are given an outlet through this dummy, and it just it just gets really off the rails, out of hand, and um, and that's the horror of it. It's just it's like Corky, even though Fats is a 
quote unquote like like a separate being he's not it's like Corky's all these things and you really see that point illustrated where Corky through Fats like he it, it was like a literal Freudian slip where Fats explained to uh, what's her name um, Peggy that um, Corky would use his ventriloquist uh, skills to sleep with other women during his performances and it's like oh snap Corky what are you doing you're horrible I well yeah well Fats is terrible but there was a great moment where so the whole movie Anthony Hopkins agent through the whole movie is, is attesting to his talent and saying this kid bombed the first night he was here, came back and worked really hard and became a huge success overnight. And he doesn't really like to go any too outside of his comfort zone. He likes to be where he is. And we sort of see why that is. Uh, because A, Fats is trigger happy or murder happy. And B... His agent tracks him down and finds him. And you see Anthony Hopkins is like probably in the middle of a break. And he says, so this is why you wouldn't go for the medical exam. How long have you been like this? And that's where it hits you like, oh, he's just really screwed in the head. Oh, right. It's not an act. And that's where the true terror like kicks in and I think that that's what makes this movie in in talking about two horror movies about ventriloquist dummies I think magic is the more terrifying of the two because fats is a manifestation of Corky's brain whereas one of them is supernaturally prepossessed by an old scary lady which one to you is more is more terrifying I'm gonna go with psychotic man I just think that that was a brilliant way for that to be done. Um, I think that Dead Silence, could it be seen as a cute little nod to magic? Sure. Anthony Hawkins, like, his hands down, like, he, he made this entire film. And um, I'm thinking about when, uh, I'm thinking back to your commentary about sound. One of the, like, one of the things that I just, cro- like, just got under my skin was every time Fats was doing something evil, it had that weird accordion music. I was like, ugh! I was like, no. I hate it. Stop it. <laughs> so we're going to fill this episode with accordion sound effects, essentially. Yeah, uh, please don't. <laughs> okay, I won't. <laughs> I think that Magic is a superior movie to Dead Silence in a movie about ventriloquist dummies. Mm-hmm. Also, it was a huge bo- box office success. This movie came out in 1978. Uh, it had a budget of $7 million. Holy shit! Yeah, it made 23800000 in the box office. So, I don't know how that translates into $2018, but that seems like a lot. I also just realized that the trailer we watched gives away the ending. And, and uh, la, 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 gives away the ending of the movie. Because Fat says... 
Abracadabra, I sit on his knee, presto changeo, and now he is me. Hocus pocus, we take her to bed. Magic is fun. We are dead. How does the movie end? Maybe, well, I mean, maybe it's like a double entendre. It could be like we as the audience is dead, but no, actually, no, no. Spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> Eternal spoilers on the podcast. It ends with Fats tries to convince because okay, so he has now killed their agent, Peg's husband, who she was going to leave, but was like he deserves to hear it from me. And Fats was like, you have to kill her. You can't. You can't do this. You have to kill her. She'll find out. She'll never love you. <laughs> right. So Anthony Hopkins throws his voice as Fats to get Peg to open the door and see the beautiful rock that he whittled into the shape of a heart for her. And you see Anthony Hopkins standing there with a knife in his hand in the corner. And we're like, oh, fuck, really, dude? And he's, like, sweating. And he's, like, on the verge of tears. Like, he's really... Yeah. It's really convincing. He's, he's really not doing well. And the next shot is an immediate cut to his cabin where he throws a bloody knife on the floor. And I'm like, oh, fuck. He did it. No, Anthony Hopkins, why? And then he said... He actually says, we're dying. And Fats is like, what do you mean? And he reveals that he stabbed himself really deep in the stomach with the knife and goes in so far as to bring Fats over to him. And you hear, you watch Fats basically die with Anthony Hopkins. Even his eyes roll in the back of his head. And it's very weird because he's... because I don't, I don't remember if you see Anthony Hopkins do anything to his back. So he's very much like disembodied at that point. Yeah, like he's like he's slumped over, he's slumped against the couch, uh, just like Anthony Hopkins. And they're both wearing the same outfit at this point, which is super creepy. And it's definitely selling like the dual, like the murder suicide situation of it all. It's also selling the dual personality that he clearly suffers from, but it wasn't until his psychotic break in front of his agent that they started really dressing the same, which is a nice touch. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I wasn't sure how I, I mean, it was a very, it's a very tragic ending, but I wasn't, I was trying to wrap my brain, like, am I supposed to feel bad or am I supposed to be moved by this? Because... Especially from Fats, you see, you, you, it's like your Fats becomes like very, his id becomes very timid and like actually very scared. It's like, he, he's saying stuff like, um, I, I hope I don't go first or, or, or like, like you seem, Fats seems to be full of regret for what he did and like it was like a final reconciliation. It's a final reconciliation before they both go, and I, I, I wasn't. I mean, you could it could be read as a touching moment. It could be read as like just God, just, just super disturbing. Um, what were your thoughts on that? I felt bad, and I didn't. I thought it was tragic because he could he couldn't he refused to get help. He couldn't let Fats go. His agent was even like, I want you to make Fats shut up for five minutes. And he's counting down. He's like, how long do I have left? Four and a half minutes. How long have I been quiet for now? 
a minute 45. Uh, he couldn't quiet it long enough for five minutes. And as soon as he says, I can't do it, fats just blah, 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 blah. It's like word vomit. And I think that that was the most tragic part is that he couldn't destroy fats without destroying himself. And he got what he wanted. Like, she was going to go with him. She she truly was like, you know what? I know it's nuts, but I don't care. Throw caution to the wind. You came back into my life. And it's this whirlwind thing. She was willing to do it. And I think that that in and of itself is heartbreaking enough. That being said, I would never want to be left alone with a ventriloquist doll that looks like Anthony Hopkins ever again. Would you want to be alone with a ventriloquist ventriloquist dummy that looks exactly like you and dressed the same as you? No, not at all. Actually, <laughs> he got the dummy. He like he he got the dummy and was like allowed to take it home to like work with it. And then it unnerved him to the point where he was just like, no, please get this out of here. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stay with this thing anymore. Oh, really? Though those huge crystal blue eyes that just stare, stare deep into your soul. Stare deep into your the soul. The uncanny valley. It's so real. I, well, okay. So in terms of dummy realism, Fats wins. Fats is much creepier than Billy because Billy looks like your atypical ventriloquist dummy, whereas Fats looks like a living, breathing human being, down to the hair and the eyes, and even when he's touching up his eyebrows. And it, he was very much a, a part of him, and I find that I find it really interesting and intriguing to have this contrast of this psychotic maniac in this little teeny tiny body like that's where he put him that's where he put that part of him and i found that really fucking interesting i found i uh, i found it interesting that even though fast was a vessel for his deep deepest darkest impulses and desires you know uh anthony hopkins treating him with such care and love and tenderness like the first of all best kill where anthony hopkins bludgeons uh his agent to death using with fats. with fats and how his wooden head got caved in and then a couple minutes later anthony hopkins is fussing over fats uh, by like wrapping his head as bandages and putting a new wig on him and then and then how about the fact that he also got a migraine after that like he was rubbing his head right where fats got hit mm-hmm. psychic link Flat, Fats was alive. That's why I love this film. It plays with the idea that it, he could, Fats actually could be alive, and and it's like oh, but he's not. But we're still gonna tease it anyway. I love that. I love that tension that the film um, creates. So, where dead silence creates tension through silence, magic creates tension through dialogue. Yeah, and Fats is just present. When they were having sex in his room, Fats was just sitting up in a chair. That was probably the most unnerving thing in that whole movie. Yeah, every time they pan to the Fats, they start playing. I was like, "What is happening?" Yeah. Oh, it's so good. That was probably yeah. That was probably the most unnerving part of all of this. So, of the two, 
Magic for me is definitely the superior movie. Definitely. And I will absolutely watch this again. But maybe not the way I watched Dead Silence. I just forgot how how well Dead Silence held up. And all the kills in that movie were great because there was more than one. Uh, Magic is my favorite of the two. But I would not be opposed to have Fats with the crazy Cronenberg tongues. I would love that. That would be awesome. <laughs> Oh my god, that would be the creepiest thing ever. Can you, I just want, oh, you know what, I'm going to draw a picture. Or people can submit fan art. If you could draw me a Especially picture. Especially because the tongues, because the tongues aren't all like together. They're, they're sort of like, they're sort of like hodgepodge, like piled on top yeah. of each other. So they're not even in like a straight line. Some of them are like crisscross. It's, they it kind of just, just branch creepy. out like yeah. a weird tree branch or I don't know. It's Ugh, just, yeah. Gross. Yes. But yes, I I love yes. That's exactly what it is. It's the tree branch of tongues. Yes, it's great. It's fantastic. I love it. So nasty. Yes. Um. So uh, we have a winner. Um. And I think Magic wins this episode. This is not by no by no means we we both enjoy, enjoyed Dead Silence. Um. I think. I think it's just a lot of it was like the the novelty because. Uh, you and I, we never seen this film before, and the performance was excellent. The story is excellent. Like just all the all the pieces and moving parts, and just how insanely messed up and creepy Fats was. I think that I think that was like a winning pedigree. Um, yeah. Um, but but Ryan, uh, who would win in the ultimate battle of of dummies? Cause uh, we have a new we have a new segment going on for this episode. You want to introduce it? Yeah, so uh, as much as psychology sort of interests both of us, I think it's kind of difficult to, without poking fun or um, or seeming uh, too real after spending all of this time talking about horror movies, to keep up with the phobia segment. So we're sort of altering it just a uh, just tad and doing kind of like a uh, a monster off, if you will. So we have a versus with Fats and Billy today in honor of the movies we watched. And that's that's the, the way the segment's going to go this episode. We might do it differently next week. We might not. It could be a completely uh, revolving. It could be a revolving door of topics, if you will, from now on. We don't know. Uh, we can edit this out. Was it? Billy versus Fast, or was it any ventriloquist dummy that we wanted to fight each other? Uh, we could do either or, to be perfectly honest. I just had Billy and Fats in there because oh. they were in the movie. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Because oh, I thought you could do whatever you want. Okay, you want attack more on? Yeah, that? Go yeah. Right okay. Ahead. okay, cool. Okay, okay. I think they're gonna lose, but that's okay. Cause I, I feel, I feel like it should be a battle royale between Fats, Billy. Billy, the real Billy from Saw, and Slappy, because Slappy is clearly, clearly a knockoff of, of Fats, and Fats he, needs, well, he is. Yeah, yeah, Fats needs to put Slappy in his place. Which is why I think Slappy will automatically lose, because he's the knockoff Fats, and he's not even, like, a good knockoff. So I feel like Slappy's already out. Sorry, Slappy. I'm gonna have ventriloquist dummy nightmares now because I said sorry, slappy. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, okay, okay. Well, point of order, judge ruling. Does okay. does Jigsaw Billy, uh, Jigsaw Billy, 
Does he have the help of of Jigsaw? Does does Jigsaw Billy set up traps, or does he? Or I mean, no, he sort of he's sort of the device that's used to like talk to people. So he's kind of like Fats in that sense because Fats talks to an audience. He's part of the act, so Billy is part of the act too. Does does Jigsaw Billy have access to his tricycle? Because if he does, he has increased mobility. He's always on the tricycle. Okay, there almost he... always on okay. the tricycle. Okay, so in terms of mobility, he he can he can. <laughs> so sorry, you just shaking your head. Okay, <laughs> this is my co-host, everybody. Hi, I adore him. Jigsaw Billy can run people over with his trike. Come on. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> you can't run people over with a tricycle. You could run away from a tricycle. You can't run people over. Unless it's like penny farthing height and it's all the way up. You can't run people over I mean, this is Jigsaw Billy we're talking about. Who knows? Chris. It might be like razor wire in the tires or something like that. But then the tires wouldn't work. Play with me, Ryan. <laughs> Unless, unless when he, like, used the bell on the trike, it, like, sent out a, a, a smoke missile or some shit, then there's no way you could, like, <laughs> there's no way that would oh. work. Or, like, Billy's mouth opens and before the, and, like, after the jigsaw tape plays, his mouth opens and, like, smoke comes out and he, like, Yes, okay. Ryan, Ryan stated it. It's like poison smog. Ryan says it, so it's canon. <laughs> Jigsaw Billy has 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 poison poison breath. Yes, smog. It's smog. It's like, it's like Pokemon. <laughs> Jigsaw Billy, your smog is like, super effective. <laughs> done. <laughs> okay. Okay. What about what about uh, uh, Dead Silence Billy? I mean, um, I mean, he can rip people's tongues out. But you see, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though, is with the with the minor instance of Fats being the exception the one time, and even then, I don't know if we can really count him as an exception. Each one of these ventriloquist dummies serves as a not as a plot device, but as a vessel. None of them are actually doing any killing. Again, except for Fats in that one instance when it was like... I mean, obviously we know it was really Anthony Hopkins, but you saw Fats' teeny tiny little hand holding that knife. It was very disassociated. It was very, like, disembodied. So even in that moment, you could say that, like, he is the only ventriloquist dummy that, like, truly kills someone. And in that respect, Fats would have to win because... He's the only one that, like, actually... Well, not only with a knife, but his, he, he literally bludges someone... Yeah, with himself. With himself. He <laughs> is a murder weapon. <laughs> that, well, that, and that was the other thing about that scene. You don't actually see Anthony Hopkins, like, swinging him around. You just see Fats, <laughs> yeah. like, being, like... And then also you, you just hear Fats yelling, Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Like, he, like... Like, it's almost like Fats just was, like... That, like propelled himself and i think that also just like added to the whole thing i have to say like fats probably wins as like the creepiest fucking thing i've ever seen in my life and also fash hat or fats has a he has a more diverse wardrobe he can blend in more easily because he actually switches outfits everyone else is like in, in suits he does switch out outfits yes he does oh it's so creepy 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So Fats is the winner of this battle royale. Fats is yeah. I I I am totally okay with this. Fats wins. Fats Fats wins. Okay, you heard it here, folks. Fats wins <laughs> for this one. Mhm. So if if uh if you disagree, uh maybe you wanted Jigsaw Billy to win, or maybe you have some other ventriloquist doll to be entered into the fight, like I don't know Scarface from Batman. <laughs> uh at us <laughs> or don't at us i don't know <laughs> talk <laughs> no 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 you can totally add us you can you can totally talk to us we we love hearing from all your dreadfuls out there so um yeah as, Ryan. yeah <laughs> i we're ridiculous as always you can find us on twitter facebook instagram uh, at Left 4 Dread Pod. And don't forget, we have free merch we want to give people. Yes! Uh, if you listen to our show on iTunes, uh, if you give us a five-star rating, uh, leave a nice, re- nice constructive review, uh, tell us what you like, what you enjoy, contri- constructive criticism, all that good jazz. Um, you you can leave that five star review. Stickers. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. We have these amazing stickers of our logo uh, and we want to send them out to you. So leave us a review and we, and uh, um, shoot, uh, shoot us a way to find you, to contact you. Uh, like, you know, you can also message on Twitter um, or through Facebook um, or email and then we can get those stickers out to you. And we really will happily free sway. throw a bunch of them your way. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so yes, uh, we have we have free stickers out for the uh, for you guys, all your dreadfuls. Um, as always, you can find this podcast uh, anywhere you can find podcasts: so iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. Um, if you don't listen to any of those, you can also download them uh, through um, or actually we, you can subscribe using the RSS feed. Um, and we're also part of the NerdPal Network, so we have a great family of shows, uh, for you to listen to after you listen to our show. So we, we have, um, Super Nerd Pals, um, uh, which is our weekly nerdy talk show. Uh, you also have Chaos, uh, that's Kingdom Hearts and other stuff hosted by our eternal friend of the show, Zach, uh, which is all about Kingdom Hearts. And uh, you can also find us on SoundCloud. And if you want to get a head start for our next episode, we're going to actually be doing The Ritual, which is a Netflix original movie that I have not seen ever. So I'm Uh, excited. Yes, I I haven't seen either. So this will be a, a really fun surprise. That'll be a good one. So that's what we're going to be talking about our next episode. Keep an eye out for it. Keep an ear out for it. And let us know what you think. Yeah. yeah. And until then, Dreadfuls, um, uh, find a dummy in your life and <laughs> uh, make friends. Um, you know, have a dialogue. Make friends or... with the people that are not manifestations of yourself. Yeah, <laughs> but make friends with Anthony Hopkins. If you ever meet Anthony Hopkins, send him over to us because we want to interview him. Yeah, I want to ask him about this movie. Yes, yes. But uh, until then, Dreadfuls, have a good one. 
Stay dreadful. Woo!